Go ahead and show us some love on whatever platform you're using to listen. And check out our website, planetfearpodcast.com, for ways to follow us on social media, contact info, and more. The world is a fearful place. We are surrounded by people and things that would do us harm. Some walk among us every day, while others lurk in the shadows, a threat unknown. Join us as we discuss all of the things that frighten us most, from the paranormal and unknown, to the true and horrific crimes committed by our very own kind, with Matt Knapp and Lauren Smith on, on Planet, Planet Fear. Fear. believe in curses um i didn't until i started researching this episode i'll be honest shall we just get it out of our systems now curses curses (laughs) you just have you have to really go for it (laughs) you can't half-ass curse it's funny because i was telling some people that we're doing this for the show Mm -hmm. and every time i'd say it i couldn't just say we're doing curses i would be like we're doing curses curses (laughs) foiled again it's a fun word it's just you can't not say it yeah like that curses i felt for a long time i was cursed i had the curse of the shatter day have you ever heard of this curse no (laughs) (laughs) no most people haven't too much taco bell on friday night but you're on the right track Uh, (laughs) i was kidding no i mean sort of just to play on words saturday yes and shat oh yes i got it yes because me and my group of friends noticed that Saturdays tended to be shit days for us. Meaning things would just happen on Saturdays that sucked all the time. Like bad things, like what our car breaks down, things like that. And we would notice like, what day is it? Oh, it's Saturday. And like this went on for years mm-hmm. to the point where I pointed it out to other people later on. Yeah. And they noticed, like, oh, man, it's Saturday, isn't it? (laughs) And then it just disappeared. So I think it was kind of like the whole full moon theory. Some Mm -hmm. people would disagree with this. That's fine. Where a lot of stuff that people attribute to happening on a full moon is actually just psychologically them recalling that it was a full moon because full moons are more noticeable Mm -hmm. than other moon phases so they remember it or they think it happened on that night because one night they saw a full moon around Mm -hmm. that time so you had a crappy day all the time you just remember the saturday the saturdays yeah it it stood out to me yeah because it happened to be saturday yeah but otherwise other than that i mean there was this thing with a friend of mine but it was more of a a premonition Uh, he went and visited a witch who rolled bones and she told him that he would die by the time he was 23. Mm-hmm. And he died at the age of 22. And after he went and saw that witch, he believed it. Mm-hmm. And we would have conversations and he would just talk about it and be like, man, shut up. You're not going to die when you're, you know, that young. Like You're going to live a long life. Like He's like, okay, man, whatever. And then he like literally died right mm-hmm. after his 22nd birthday. And it freaked me out. That's the kind of stuff, like, you have to wonder if the psychological whatever Something. comes into play. Yeah, because it's, uh, did he impose that upon himself or, you know. Yeah, did uh, you know, thinking things into existence. Well, let me tell you, none of that works with Bigfoot. <laughs> That's my curse. 
I'm cursed to believe in Bigfoot and walk out into the woods and never see it, ever. Have you heard of the Bigfoot curse? Yes, I have heard of the Bigfoot curse. And uh, Do you believe in the Bigfoot curse? I mean, which one? There are a few. There are a few. The first one that comes to mind is like a lot of people involved in the Bigfoot world have died from bad ways not like freaky ways or anything like cancer cancer yeah cancer in specific i don't i don't think that's real i think that's kind of like the full moon theory it's like we are a community of humans a good percentage of us are probably going to die of cancer or heart Mm -hmm. attack or stroke those are the leading killers in humans so um the bigfoot curse for me is Anytime you forget your recording equipment or forget to turn it on, you get activity. I've had that one a lot. Forgot my recorder. Guess what? All night serenading by the Bigfoot. And obviously not having a sighting is for me. Um, Or like you leave early and everybody else there has a sighting. Yes. Yes. Literally, I've been at a spot where there was a sighting and I chose to walk the wrong direction and everybody had the sighting. And I'm like, really? There's the curse of the Bigfoot researcher to where you can be doing just fine financially until you start researching Bigfoot. And then literally you will be incredibly broke and in debt. And not just because of like (laughs) buying equipment, like just your finances just go really bad and your cars break down. And yeah, that's a real thing. So that's the curse that I was personally familiar with yeah uh your mom knows all about this one as well Mm -hmm. it really at first i didn't even notice it and then some people started talking about it and then so you start paying attention and you start realizing like hey this is really happening Mm -hmm. every time we would plan a group outing Mm -hmm. where everybody's coming from different areas it didn't matter it could be six months in advance Mm -hmm. at the last minute Things would fall apart for people where they couldn't make it. Their cars would break down. They would lose their jobs. Yep. Whatever. Every time. Every single time. Yep. That's the curse of the Bigfoot researcher that, or Bigfoot researcher, not the Mm -hmm. Bigfoot curse, but yeah. It it just seemed like a higher power was trying to prevent us from getting together to look for a mythological creature (laughs) that nobody believes is real. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. The camping curse. Is there a camping curse? somebody's car is gonna not start there yeah or somebody's tent zipper is gonna break or somebody's gonna forget their whatever i think that's just the camping curses you're gonna you forget always something. forget something yeah or your car breaks down or you get stuck you know i mean when researching a lot of these curses that's kind of the conclusion that i came to mm-hmm. curses can be applied to anything what's the difference between something being cursed and just having bad luck or having a bad run of events you know like at what point do you say i'm cursed i guess somebody in my opinion it would be somebody intentionally did something to cause it to happen to you uh like a spell being cast or something i mean different cultures have different beliefs and different terms for it hexes jinxes and hoodoo there was this one that i ran across called foot track magic where a cursed object would be laid in someone's path and then they'd be cursed whenever they walked over it. So I guess you would put this object maybe at their doorway or something and wait for them to step over it. I thought that one was really weird because I know in 
a lot of voodoo stuff. There's like the laying of the brick dust and salt around the house to keep evil out and yeah which also involves stepping over something yeah there's a lot of medicine bags and other stuff to ward off curses and evil spirits and malevolence and then there's the one that i always heard of the evil eye the evil eye somebody gave you the evil eye yeah is that just a dirty look (laughs) is that like if a gypsy gives you a dirty look i don't know and wishes ill will thinner have you ever seen Thinner? That was a curse. Mm-mm. You've never seen Thinner? I don't know what that. Have you read Thinner? Stephen no. King story? No, not that one. It's about a fat guy that gets a curse put on him <laughs> to lose weight and he just keeps on losing weight. He can't not lose weight. Well, no, I just know the evil eye, you know, the only one I know about is like the Hispanic version where, you know, if if you look at someone's baby, they think that you put the evil eye on the baby and the baby's going to get sick or if the baby gets sick, that's why. And so basically Hispanic women would ask you to touch the baby and it would remove the curse. And I've actually had women, you know, invite me to touch the baby's hand or face or whatever to remove the curse. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was a thing. You can be protected from the evil eye, apparently. Um, You have to make a protection item uh, from dark blue circular glass with a circle of white around the black dot in the middle, which looks like an eye. Mm. I guess that's supposed to protect you from someone giving you the evil eye curse somehow. What are the effects of the evil eye? I don't know. Because I know like the Hispanic version is like they get sick, but... I guess it could be whatever the... You just get an itchy... Caster. Itchy rash and... In a very heartburn. unpleasant area. <laughs> I, I don't know. Better get that heartburn looked at. You don't want to, poof, you know, spontaneously combust. And some of our heritage, <laughs> the Germanic peoples, mm-hmm. speak in terms of hexing. One that I found interesting was the, uh, it's called a stable witch. Have you heard of this one? Mm-mm. A stable witch uh, who would, apparently it was a very specific type of witch. That would <laughs> pass on this curse, uh, this From hex, yes. that would cause uh, milk cows to go dry and horses to go lame. <gasps> That's devastating. Which back in times, yeah. uh, I guess that can be a very devastating, very devastating thing. Might as well die. Might as well die. I mean, I don't know. I think I would have looked to other places. Mm-hmm. Like maybe check the water source, what I was <laughs> feeding them. I mean, animals get sick. But a stable witch? Stable witch. I was attacked by the stable witch. I can't think of anything worse to do to a farmer in the whatever century. The Hope Diamond. Cursed objects. The Hope Diamond is probably the most famous cursed object that I could think of. So the myth is that it was stolen from the statue of a Hindu goddess. Plucked. Plucked. That's a good one. Right from the forehead. And you see that in movies all the time. Yeah, Indiana Jones-ish Yeah, type situations. I mean, it makes sense. It sounds good. But I believe that was found to be a myth. Are you saying the Hope Diamond curse isn't real? I am. I think that the Hope Diamond is not really cursed. This, what? This one, because that myth just sounds... Little... I mean, they pretty much just built it up to make it... More More desirable? More valuable. Yeah. They used that myth and the cursed thing to raise the value of the Hope Diamond. That is my belief. 
I just want to say. I mean, since the Hope Diamond has been taken off the market, nothing's happened. Marie Antoinette wore the Hope Diamond. I mean, one could say she met a pretty untimely death. Princess de Lambali. They were both beheaded, but I think it's more that he had this great diamond and didn't want them to keep it, and so he just off with their heads. What I found interesting in my research about the Hope Diamond was that apparently a lot of large diamonds and other jewels are cursed. Yeah, the Kohanor Diamond. Kohanor. So. Plucked from the forehead no. of the. Oh. <laughs> so, this is kind of like the Hope Diamond, except every time the Kohanor has fallen into the hands of a female, it has resulted in bringing great fortune and luck in her life. But for every male who has ever owned this diamond, a terrible death lay in his future. Hmm. Guess that explains why diamonds are a girl's best friend. Um, there's a couple of, um, you know, under cursed objects, we have chairs and paintings, coins. Busby's stoop chair? Um, we have the dead man's chair. Yeah. Yes. Um, that yes. one was kind of interesting, if any of it true. If any were to be found true, that's terrifying. Yeah. Interesting's not the word I would I use. mean, the chair sounded the most legit to me. I couldn't find... I mean, who's, like, making up a rumor about a chair... Just a wooden chair. Mm-hmm. I mean, that didn't really increase the value. They actually went and hid it in the basement so nobody would sit in it anymore. So we're talking about Busby's stoop chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy, Busby, had an inn a long time ago. See, there's some discrepancies in the dating. So the curse of this chair comes after his death. Some say he wanted to have his last drink in the chair or his last meal in the chair, or that he just cursed the chair. Accounts of the curses start before the chair was actually manufactured. <laughs> so what I read was that Thomas Busby, he managed to marry the beautiful Elizabeth Audi. Her father was very opposed to the marriage as he thought his daughter could do better. And one day Busby returned home to find his father-in-law sitting in his favorite chair. Audi announced he was there to take his daughter home. And like any reasonable man... He bludgeoned his father-in-law to death with a hammer and hid the body. Wow. But it wasn't about the daughter. It was about that chair all along. And later, as he was being led to his execution, I'm guessing for bludgeoning his father-in-law to death, he reportedly shouted to anyone who sat in his favorite chair would die. The inn where Busby lived with his wife was renamed the Busby Stoop Inn, and the chair supposedly claimed an untold number of lives over the past 300 years. And in 1968, a one Tony Earnshaw took over the inn. Earnshaw was not a superstitious man and disregarded the claims about the chair. Uh, but then people started dying on his watch. One guy, they were daring each other to sit in the chair mm -hmm. to RAF airmen and... Um, the guy sat in it and then fell off the roof and cracked his skull open. And so the next day, Earnshaw put it in the basement and wouldn't let anyone else sit in it. Yeah, there was like a delivery man that sat in it and died in a car accident. A, a bunch of stuff. The, the first story that I could find was dated 1894 uh, from a chimney sweeper. And it was said that 
this chimney sweeper was sitting in the chair and then he was found hanged and it was a mystery until one of his buddies that cleaned chimneys with him confessed to have robbed and murdered him <laughs> Seriously. and then there's like other deaths associated with the chair like a cleaning lady bumped into it and died of a malignant brain tumor now how see that's what i found in a lot of these curses yeah like you can tie it together if you want to yeah and do we really know that the cleaning lady like did she proclaim oh i bumped into the chair i'm gonna die now mm-hmm. uh, a young construction worker falling to his death a man dying from a heart attack i mean all these things are things that happen so to tie them to busby's chair i think is kind of a reach but the chair's in a museum now <laughs> i love when they put things like that in museums like the annabelle doll and it's like yeah oh great yeah don't do that put that out there for the masses to you know yeah die um there's also the painting the crying boy painting oh that's a good one uh-huh so i believe it was sold on ebay at one point <laughs> in time so this was um put on the walls of multiple homes throughout Europe. Uh, but many, most of the homes, ended up being victims of fires and explosions. And even though the homes would be burned down even to the though. ground, the crying boy painting was always found to be completely intact in the aftermath. What's even more bizarre about the supposed curse is the fact that the painter claimed that he had made the painting of a wandering orphan whose parents had died in a house fire. To make it more eerie, even a priest had warned the painter that each home the boy was let into was destroyed due to a fire at one time or the no another. The painter did not believe him and took the boy into his studio to paint him. But sure enough, his studio caught fire as well and burned down, causing the painter to banish the orphan from his presence. That sounds like... Sounds made up, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like internet folklore. I've seen the painting. It's creepy looking. I mean, I don't... But... I don't think it's even that creepy looking. I, I, I looked at it and I was like, oh, okay. like." That, I don't get the crying part to that, it, though. That killed people. It's an orphan. He's wow. sad. Is that... He don't have no parents. Hmm. Probably because he set fire to the home and burned it. Whatever. That would probably... I mean, you know, do it. Yeah. There's so many curses. I, when you brought this idea and you were like, hey, let's do curses, I was like, well, first of all, I was like, curses. And then I was like, curses. Well, curses. I mean, yeah. I couldn't even think of any curses. And then I started researching and I'm like, holy mother of pearl. There's a lot of freaking curses. But There's, it's in every category. It's in every category. I know earlier I said something, you're like, that's the mummy category. We're not there yet. Yeah. Like, we have sections of curses. But here's something weird. All this research into curses. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find anything on actual curses. Like how to cast a curse? Right. Like, yeah. this is a specific curse. This is the curse that was used... In this situation. Yeah. That, you know. Yeah. Nothing like, you get stories, you know, like somebody saying, I curse you or something yeah. like that. But like, how does that give power to it? If it's just some random guy, you know, who's pissed off about something. <laughs> like, you're going to stub your toe three weeks from nigh. 
(laughs) Okay. I'm sure we have at least one pagan goddess listening to the show that can hopefully chime in and tell us. I'm sure. Tell us about curses. I'm sure there's probably somebody putting a curse on this show right now (laughs) because they're so disgusted by our lack of knowledge. (laughs) On curses. On curses. So my favorite... Oh, you have a favorite? I have a favorite cursed inanimate object. Hmm. Although I'm pretty sure the curse was on the person. But it ended up the vehicles this person drove. Christine. No. James Dean. James Dean. Oh, James Dean. Jimmy Dean. Aren't you a fan of his? I was. I mean, I guess I could say I still am. Mm -hmm. So James Dean had a Porsche 550 that was called Little Bastard. I didn't realize this until doing this research on this. I knew about this, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, I knew more than I thought I did about this, of course, but I didn't know that James Dean died on my birthday. Did he? Yeah, he died on September 30th. I did not know that. 1955. Happy birthday. Yeah. On September 30th. Go back and listen to this show. Yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday, Lauren. You're welcome. That means so much to me. Good. So James Dean died September 30th, 1955. May him rest in peace. Heard he died in a car accident. He did. Hmm. And it leaves behind a trail of wreckage. No pun intended. (laughs) Or was it? See, we start talking about somebody's untimely death, and now you start cracking puns and stuff. He goes to buy this car. I couldn't find the person's name that told him, basically, dude, within a week, you're going to die. Like, this, you're going to die from this car. Well, there is an actor who wrote a biography yeah. where he talks about whenever Dean showed him the car, mm-hmm. that something overcame him, and he said that, like, the car was, like, evil-looking to him. Sinister, I believe, is the word he used. And he said, like, in a voice that he didn't recognize coming from himself, he was, like, begging him, like, don't drive this car or you'll die mm-hmm. within a week. And within seven days. And within seven days. He died. Bang, bada, boom. He bought the Porsche 550 Spider. He Beautiful car. Beautiful car. And he wanted to have it personalized. He chose tartan seats, the number 130 emblazoned on the hood, and the name Little Bastard painted just under the emblem on the engine cover. Oh, so, oh, oh, oh it was Alec Guinness. Yes. British actor Alec, Alec Guinness. How can Guinness. I not remember Alec Guinness? <laughs> Jesus. Um, he said that he was deeply superstitious. He said, the sports car looked sinister to me, exhausted, hungry, feeling a little ill-tempered in spite of Dean's kindness. I heard myself saying in a voice, please never get in it. If you get in that car, you will be found dead in it this time next week. That's terrifying. Sir Alec Guinness. Dean laughed. A week later, on September 30th, Dean and Rolf Wuthrich a former Luftwaffe pilot and factory-trained Porsche mechanic, were at Competition Motors in Hollywood preparing the little bastard for racing that weekend at Salinas. The intent was for Dean to trailer the car to Salinas behind his 1955 Ford Country Squire, uh, along with photographer and stuntman Bill Hickman, who comes up later. Um, He was the stunt coordinator on the movie Bullet, most famously. The car needed some break-in miles on it, so Wuthrich decided they should drive the car to Salinas, not only to break in the engine, but so that Dean could familiarize himself with the car he just purchased. And Wuthrich went along for the ride. Greatest decision of his life. They left a coffee shop from Competition Motors at 1.15 p.m. 
At 3.30 p.m., California Highway Patrol O.V. Hunter stopped Dean and wrote him a ticket just south of Bakersfield for driving 65 miles per hour in a 55. Hickman got a ticket for 20 over the speed limit because he was towing a trailer, which meant his maximum speed should have just been 45 miles per hour. At Blackwell's Corner on Route 466, the caravan stopped for drinks, met up with another dude and another dude. And at approximately 5.15 p.m., Dean and Hickman drove west towards Paso Robles. Robles? I'm sorry. (laughs) Paso Robles. (laughs) I do apologize. A half hour later, a black and white 1950 Ford Tudor Coupe was heading east Mm. on 466, driven by 23-year-old Cal Poly student with the unlikely name of Donald Turnipseed. Turnipseed. He got killed by a man named Turnipseed. Like, if that doesn't solidify, this definitely was a cursed vehicle. I mean... And it was one of those one wrecks. Yeah. Turnipseed made a left onto Route 41. As he crossed the center line, Dean, who was estimated to be traveling at 85 mile per hour, tried to avoid the Ford, and the two cars met head on. The Ford Coupe slid 39 feet down Route 466 in the westbound lane. However, Little Bastard was totaled. Crushed. Did you see the pictures? Yes. The Ford? Not really in bad mm. shape. Turnipseed had like a scratch on his nose, I think they said. Yeah. Like the front left part of the Ford, hood, fender, everything's crushed, but it's just that part inside, like the rest of the car's fine. Yeah. Little Bastard was completely annihilated. Yeah, smashed. Soon afterward, an unconscious and dying Dean was placed into the ambulance. Wuthrich, who had been thrown from the spider, was lying on the shoulder of the road next to Little Bastard. Uh, He was transported in the same ambulance, and Dean was pronounced dead upon arrival at 6.20 p.m. Turnip seed just had the scratch on his nose. How horrible would you feel as that highway patrol officer for stopping him? Because if he hadn't, he wouldn't have met that board. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do we... You can't really blame him for that. Dean was going 85 Uh, mile per hour. But... That friend of mine who saw the witch that told him he was going to die, died in a head-on car collision in the afternoon where the other car was like an old pickup truck. And since that happened, every time I hear about car accidents, it's always stuck with me how the timing, Mm -hmm. every single thing you did that day leads up to the fact that you were just there at that moment if you had gotten up earlier instead of sleeping in anything they had ordered one more drink whenever they stopped you know anything anything at all on either side of the equation Mm -hmm. would have changed things forever absolutely so weird you know this could have just you know we could always say he was going 85 mile per hour maybe he hit this ford and he died and his passenger did not. The guy that he hit did not. Mm-hmm. What if that highway patrol hadn't stopped him and he had kept going down the highway? Everybody and he, died. He hit a family yeah. in a sedan and killed everybody. Yeah. I mean, so. Something else more horrible yeah. could have happened. But with all this timing and everything, this is not what the curse is about. No. <laughs> oh, no. So George Barris purchased the wrecked Porsche for $2,500. With the likely intent to sell tickets to look at it, because why not? Well, that used to be a thing. Yeah. He transported the car back to his shop. However, the car slipped off at the trailer and broke the leg of the mechanic. Barris sold the engine and drivetrain 
to two men. The two used the parts to build cars of their own and were racing against each other with those parts in place. Uh, one of them lost control and slammed into a tree, the impact killing him instantly. The other one was driving his car and the wheels suddenly locked up for no apparent reason, sending the car rolling over into a turn. Um, he was only seriously injured after oh. the crash. You oh. know. Two of the tires from Little Bastard were in Barris's garage, untouched since the accident that claimed Dean's life. He sold the tires, and both of them exploded simultaneously, causing the driver to run off the road. At what point do you start making phone calls <laughs> and be like, hey, you know that tail light I sold you? Yeah. <laughs> Get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> in a piece that p appeared in a newspaper, it said, due to all the incidents involving Little Bastard, Barris decided to hide the car but was then convinced by the California Highway Patrol to lend the cursed heap to a highway safety exhibit. The first exhibit was unsuccessful as the garage that housed the car caught fire and burned to the ground. Yeah. Mysteriously, the car suffered virtually no damage from the fire. The next exhibition at a local high school ended abruptly when the car fell off of its display and broke a nearby student's hip. Stay away from little bastard. <laughs> Later, George Barkus, Barkus was hauling the wreckage of the spider on a flatbed truck and was killed instantly when the Porsche fell on him after he was thrown from his truck in an accident. How? All of these accidents, <laughs> it's just weird. It seems like the car is attacking people physically. I mean, something, okay. The car keeps on falling on people. Here's... How much do you need... To hear about before you're like, no, I'm not going to tow that car. So here's the, the most mysterious part about Little Bastard, right? Mishap after mishap continued until 1960 when the twisted debris was on loan to a safety exhibit in Miami. Following the exhibit, the wreckage and the truck that I was hauling in mysteriously vanished on the way back to Los Angeles, never to be seen again. Never been seen since. Yeah. Federal government swooped in. That's what happened. It's at the Smithsonian with everything else that just disappears from yeah. archaeological dig sites and whatever. I was just thinking Hangar 18 uh, at Roswell, where they supposedly housed UFOs and stuff. And little bastard. <laughs> the aliens are like, bro, no. Yeah. Don't That's put, what happened at Roswell. Don't put that near my, my ship, man. That's why their ship wrecked into the cow field. So that's inanimate objects, and that's my favorite one because, I mean, it's pretty famous, it's pretty messed up, and it's still a mystery. So whenever I think curses, mm -hmm. I think mummies, Egyptian curses. Everybody has seen, I mean, there's literally movies called Curse of the Mummy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody knows about the Egyptian curses. Mm-hmm. They're saying that, I mean, it's still a thing that happens today. A friend yeah. of mine shared an article on Facebook that they said that all the bad things happening, I think it was Egypt or somewhere, it's because they just now did a parade with all these mummies that they found. Yeah. It's, I mean, this is a thing that still happens today. They're very superstitious about it. People believe it one way or another. Yeah. I mean, I went and saw a mummy exhibit <gasps> whenever I was younger. I saw Ramses, King <gasps> Ramses, the boy king. And, uh, had my heart broken on that trip. Aww. So maybe it was because of the exhibit. I don't know. When I'm doing this research, 
I basically read that these curse of the mummies were used to discourage people from stealing from graves mm-hmm. and disturbing crypts and such. Makes a lot of sense. It does. And I was kind of on that tangent, you know, basically like, oh, yeah, it's just, you know, a warning or something to help keep that in place. But some of these, they really sure do seem cursed. Well, King Tut's curse, Mm -hmm. which is probably the most famous one. Right. Yes. I, I too, read the one article I read was talking about how there was so many people involved. Mm Mm-hmm. That, of course, some of them are going to die and right. it's going to seem a little weird. But there was, like, a list of people where, like, uh, the main guy, George Herbert, financed the excavation of King Tut's tomb mm-hmm. and was the first one to die. Bacterial infection. Tore open a mosquito bite while shaving. That seems like kind of a weird way to die to me. Ew, but also ouch. Yeah, but like that leading to an infection and like, yeah, that, that's kind of how all of them are. Like off the wall. Just kind of, yeah, yeah, off the wall stuff. And there's like a list of 10 people yeah. that were like the closest involved and all of them but one ended up dying from these weird illnesses and accidents and everything else. However, something that is interesting, I believe it was the curse of the Polish king. Yes. Where they kind of figured out why this happens. There is something to a mummy's curse. There's a certain kind of fungus that grows in these tombs. And whenever people are exposed to it who have weakened immune systems or whatever, they can catch this disease and end up dying from it. Hmm. But it kind of masked itself as other things. Yeah. And I think it's actually called like the the pharaoh's fungus or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it kind of explains where those kind of curses would come from. Because there's a lot of curses associated with grave robbing and just, you know, tomb robbing and everything else. Yeah. I mean, the entire Indiana Jones franchise. <laughs> yeah. You know. Where there's like this weird fungus that grows in these certain conditions. And if you're healthy enough, it doesn't really bother you. But if you have underlying health conditions or something happens, like a wound opens up that can get infected or whatever, your immune system can't fight it off and you end up dying unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. That's the scientific side. That's the scientific side of it. I have to say, even before I studied all this stuff on curses i would probably be wary of breaking into someone's hallowed resting place you know yeah just seems like bad juju bad karma i never uh, i mean it wasn't like a desire of mine how do i have this conversation without sounding creepy when thinking about robbing robbing graves well, no, I'm just saying, I you get know, it, but it was as a little funny. kid, you know, you're worried about dying in quicksand if you're from my generation, and that's never happened. Same here. I thought that was going to be a much more yeah. rampant thing than it was. Also, but, stop, drop, and roll. I mean. Yeah, but grave robbing was a thing mm-hmm. that I heard about, so then I started thinking about it, and I never could understand, like, what could you possibly find that's worth that much? That much trouble. That you're going to dig up a grave. Yeah. And like mess with a corpse. Ew. 
And like whenever you saw it on TV, it was always like they're taking like a pearl necklace and like a ring off of a thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's what, a hundred bucks at the pawn shop? Like that's nothing. Yeah. yeah. Not worth it to me. And especially not if I'm going to get a bacterial infection and die from a mosquito bite. And plus a lot of this stuff happened a long time ago whenever the medical practice wasn't exactly what it is nowadays. That's true. The curse of the mummies, you know, those are popular first ones that come to mind. But you have some others that are historically sound. Is that the word? Mm -hmm. That we can prove are happening. And probably we're going to have a Secret Service watch put on us after this. But our current president, if this theory holds true... Needs to, Don't say it. Needs to watch his back. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> and not because we think so, but because Ripley's Believe It or Not said so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why. See, we just got taken back off that list. You're welcome. Dean Kane. That's who you want to go after. <laughs> so this is the curse of Tippecanoe or Tecumseh's curse. In the mid 20th century, the U.S. media began to note a pattern in presidential deaths, starting with William Henry Harrison and ending with John F. Kennedy. Every 20 years, the country elected a president who would die in office. In 1930, Ripley's Believe It or Not claimed it was a curse due to Shawnee Chief Tecumseh and his troops being defeated in the Battle of Tippecanoe in 1811. And eventually... Um, Chief Tecumseh died in battle against William Henry Harrison. And so that's kind of where it spawned. But why did they put it on that? I don't, I, I think it was like, um, well, I think it originated from non-Native Americans, first of all. Mm-hmm. And second, I think it's a, it's something that they decided sounded cool because of disturbing stories about Native American burial grounds being disturbed in books and movies and such. But if you look... Yeah, the numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie. And this this president that we currently have... Was elected in 2020. Mm-hmm. Just saying. That's a thing. Well, you got William Henry Harrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, elected in 1840, died of pneumonia at the age of 68. Exactly one month after his inauguration. Followed by a guy named Abraham Lincoln. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. I think we know how that one ended up. He was elected in 1860. Um, He had just started his second term in office when he was assassinated. Didn't even get to finish his show. James A. Garfield. uh, 1880 election was shot in the back in a Washington Railroad Station waiting room in 1881. And it it apparently took him from July to September to die of those wounds. Wouldn't that be horrible? Golly. He like died for like months. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, William McKinley reelected in 1900 in September of 1901 after giving a speech at an exposition in Buffalo. He was shot while shaking hands with well-wishers. McKinley died of his wounds a little more than a week later. I mean, if you get <laughs> shot as president, apparently, it takes yeah. a while. Uh, Warren G. Harding, elected in 1920, expired of a stroke or heart attack in 1923, although it was long rumored that his wife had poisoned him. <gasps> hmm. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, 
re-elected in 1940 for a third term, suffered a massive cerebral hemorrhage and died just after having started an unprecedented fourth term in 1945. And then John F. Kennedy, 1960. We know how that one ended up. But, no, what happened? But then... No spoiler alerts. But then it goes further. It do. Ronald Reagan, 1980. Mm. There was an assassination attempt that barely missed him by an inch. So he would have theoretically mm-hmm. could have died from that. Mm-hmm. And then George Bush Jr. after that mm-hmm. then happened. That we know of. Mm-hmm. Could be kept a secret. He, it, I mean, I think it's he has a doppelganger. But now, 2020. So you could... Have you... Okay, so presidents... <laughs> yes. Do have stand-ins. Mm-hmm. That will, you know, basically the whole Star Wars Padme thing... Mm-hmm. You don't have any idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> like a, a body double. Yes. For security reasons. Yeah. I've seen some pictures of our current president mm-hmm. on the internet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what I am it's saying over here. Some pretty crazy stuff. There, if you look at pictures of him. His ears. Look at his ears. Look at his ears. You look at his eyes. If you look at pictures of him yeah. a few years ago and pictures now. It's not aging that changed him. It is literally not him. It is terrifying. So what if? So spinning off of that curse, we have the Kennedy curse. Yeah, the Kennedys got their old their whole own curse. It's all theirs. A family curse. A family curse. The Kennedy curse was set off with President Kennedy being assassinated in 1963. It was more like a brutal domino effect that followed that. Robert Kennedy was assassinated five years later in 1968. Senator Ted Kennedy survived a plane crash, but then drove off a bridge that killed Mary Jo Kopechny, thus ending his presidential dreams. Robert Kennedy's son uh, died of a drug overdose. His other son died in a skiing accident. JFK Jr. died in a plane crash, along with his wife and her sister. And most recently, Mary Kennedy, the estranged wife of RFK Jr., hanged herself. Interesting thing about the family curses. You have the Kennedys, which is probably the most famous. But I also noticed you have names like Rockefeller. Mm-hmm. Guinness. So, again, are these curses? Are these uh, people who made deals generations ago for their families to be powerful? Mm. or are they in the public eye so we notice all the stuff that happens in their family i have a family curse the von erics yeah the von erics family the royal family of wrestling professional wrestlers the von erics texas listen to this tragedy sad it's a sad story the head of the family went by fritz von eric that was his wrestling name not his real name wanted to just let you know the family saw five of their six children All boys die prematurely. Jack Jr. was the youngest at only six years old when he drowned in a puddle after being electrocuted. Good God. Now, I I heard one rendition that said he was climbing over a trailer hitch Mm -hmm. that was somehow electrified and then fell down face first into the snow. I mean, I guess maybe a snow puddle. Mm -hmm. 
but it was like a horrible freak thing and he was six years old mm -hmm. i'm not gonna make fun of it no that's i'm terrible, just saying but i mean that's where it all started the other five boys followed their father's footsteps into pro wrestling but the curse continued. Fritz's third son, arguably the greatest wrestler in the family, David Von Erich, died in 1984 at the age of 25 of a suspected drug overdose. Mike had only just joined the family business a year before David's passing, but in 1987, he committed suicide at the age of 23. Chris, who was the baby of the family, didn't have the looks and the talent that his other brothers had, but he wanted to be a wrestler and Follow in their footsteps, so he tried it and uh, never quite reached the heights that his brothers had in fame and fortune and uh, was heartbroken over his brother's uh, suicide, so he in turn committed suicide in 1991, uh, just days before his 22nd birthday. These are all, you know, this is a I whole mean, family taking yeah. itself out. <laughs> and the Von Erichs were famous wrestlers. I mean, they were, they were big. Like, yeah. this is kind of dated, but... Kerry Von Erich, he went on to probably be the most successful in wrestling, and he also ended up committing suicide. His story was a little bit different. He had a uh, an injury where his foot was gone, <laughs> amputated, I believe. Good Lord. Uh, his marriage was falling apart, but he was only 33 years old, and out of the entire family, there's only one brother that survived and didn't kill himself. That's awful. Yeah. But the reason I bring up the Von Erics is because whenever you get into these family curses, you see a lot of drug overdoses, mm -hmm. alcoholism deaths, yeah, uh, suicides, and a lot of it seems like mental health problems within the family. Right. And I think the Von Erics are examples of that. Mm -hmm. But in the wrestling world, the Von Erich curse is a very real thing. That everybody believes in. Spinning off of that curse, we have the Madden curse. This one's kind of funny, not for the players. It's not funny at all, okay? <laughs> you shut your mouth. This is a one-of-its-kind video game curse. Although considered to be an honor, some NFL players resent being on the cover of their famous franchise video game, Madden. Apparently, many athletes who have appeared on the cover of the Madden NFL game have either a horrible season afterward or end up on the injured list or completely fade into obscurity. Yeah. Michael, How many times does it have to happen? Michael Vick, Madden 2004. Donovan McNabb, Madden 2006. Sean Alexander, 2007. Vince Young, 2008. Brett Favre, 2009. Troy Palamalu, 2010. And, Troy Palamalu. Yeah, that's what I said. Peyton Hillis, Madden 2012. All had unfortunate years after being on the cover. Here's the thing about Madden. So the Madden franchise games, whenever these guys appear on the cover, those games are released in August before the season starts. And then they have those horrible seasons or get injured. Mm -hmm. And it's happened time and time and time again. There's also a Gillette curse, though. The Razor Company, uh, certain individuals, Tiger Woods, for instance. No. Uh, several people who are associated with Gillette, you know, through mm -hmm. advertising, sponsorships, whatever, have also ended up having tragedies in their life. Very similar to the Madden curse. Yeah. But whenever, okay, so we're talking about athletes. Right. 
and whenever it comes to sports curses, mm-hmm. I mean, you can look it up on Wikipedia, sports-related curses. Yes. There's like hundreds of them in you every sport, sports, every yeah. level of sports. You sports people are very superstitious. Extremely. Holy mother. I mean, you see it everywhere. Sports curses. Sports curses. So you have some famous ones. You have some very famous ones. The curse of the billy goat. This was a sports-related curse that was supposedly placed on the Chicago Cubs um, franchise in 1945 by billy goat tavern owner William Cyanus. The curse lasted 71 years. From 1945 to 2016. That's a long freaking time. Yeah. His pet goat named Murphy was bothering other fans, and Cyanus was asked to leave Wrigley Field, the Cubs' home ballpark, during Game 4 of the 1945 World Series. Outraged, Cyanus allegedly declared, them Cubs, they ain't gonna win no mo Or no more. Sorry, he's not from Louisiana. Which had been interpreted to mean that the Cubs would never win another National League pennant, at least for the remainder of Cyanus's life. The Cubs <laughs> lost the 45 World Series to the Detroit Tigers and did not win a World Series championship again until 2016. I wonder how many Cubs fans were going to lose. They did not just. It wasn't just not winning. Yeah. They sucked. <laughs> I mean, this goat thing became huge. <laughs> After the incident with Cyanus and Murphy, the Cubs did not play in the World Series for the next 71 years until on the 46th anniversary of William Cyanus's death, the curse was broken when they defeated the L.A. Dodgers 5-0 in Game 6 of the 2016 National League Championship Series to win the NL pennant. The Cubs then defeated um, the Cleveland Indians 8-7 in 10 innings in Game 7 to win the 2016 World Series 108 years after their last win. Holy mother. Okay, so like, you're the team. You're the team that's winning year after year. You're winning the World Series. You're winning the pennant. And then all of a sudden, this guy... (laughs) With his goat. (laughs) With his goat. They won't let the goat in. Well, they just made him leave. His yeah. goat was bothering people. Because well, they told him his goat's tank. <laughs> How rude. Yeah. <laughs> so he puts this curse on your team, and instantly you start losing and never win again. I mean, <laughs> people lived their entire lives. Yeah. Watching their team just be horrible because <laughs> of this guy's damn goat. Prior to his death in October 1970. William Cyanus himself actually tried to lift the curse. Yeah. Um, Sam Cyanus, his nephew, had gone to Wrigley Field with a goat multiple times in an attempt to break the curse, including on opening day in 1984 and again in 1989, both years in which Cubs went on to win their division. In 1994, Sam Cyanus went again with a goat to stop the home losing streak, and in 1998 for the wild card tiebreaker game, which the Cubs won. Close, but no cigar. I mean, I mean, you're talking about a goat's head was like mailed to like the owner of the team at one point. <laughs> there was like a a drive not to eat meat for a while. Yeah, there was an eating competition where they consumed a goat. There was like one year they tried to lift the curse. This goat was brought to the field in a limo, 
and given a red carpet entrance and the ballpark still turned the goat away. <laughs> I mean, at what point did, I mean, people probably think that they were into some weird stuff. Besides. Well, I'll tell you right now, <laughs> if you're, if you ever find yourself in Chicago, mm -hmm. don't question the goat at all. Don't, don't, don't do it. Joke about the goat. They take that very seriously. So in 2004, at the Harry Carey restaurant in downtown Chicago, the Bartman baseball was electrocuted in an attempt to break the curse, leaving nothing but a heap of string behind. Still no. They're creating events now, trying to break this curse. Like, that's how serious they took it. They hung a goat's head from the statue. But what's even worse is I think there was like something like 42 players that played for the Cubs during the curse. Mm -hmm. left the Cubs organization and went on to a different team and ended up winning the World Series with that team. There's like a long history of players that did that just to, you know, prove yeah. that the curse is real, solidify the belief in this goat curse. They did, they did so much. So they had a Greek Orthodox priest come out <laughs> and spray holy water in and around the Cubs dugout in 2008. In 2011, a social enterprise called Reverse the Curse dedicated to bringing innovations to poverty by giving goats <laughs> to families in developing countries was initiated. The goats provide the families with milk, cheese, and alternative income to help lift them out of poverty. See, that's the thing. Okay, so you hear about that. That's an interesting way to help people and everything. But somewhere underneath all of that, there's some rich bastard who's like, we got to break this curse, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got to see the Cubbies win the World Series. What can we? They're giving goats oh, yeah. away to impoverished, <laughs> impoverished people in third yeah. world countries. Oh, and they, they, yeah. Um, in 2012, a group of five Chicago Cubs fans calling themselves Crack the Curse set out on foot from Mesa, Arizona, home of the Cubs spring training facilities, mm -hmm. To Wrigley Field. They brought along a goat named Wrigley, whom <laughs> they believed uh, would be able to break the curse of the billy goat upon arrival at Wrigley Field. Additionally, they attempted to collect, I'm sorry, raise $100,000 for the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center. 2015, a bunch of guys consumed a 40-pound goat in 13 minutes and 22 seconds at Taco in a Bag restaurant in Chicago. 2016, the Chicago Diner, a local vegetarian eatery near Wrigley Field, teamed up with Farm Sanctuary to try to reverse the curse by displaying posters in their windows at their locations. Posters featured a goat named Peanut, who urged Chicagoans to reverse the curse by going meat-free. I mean... Uh, I think that was just a ploy by vegetarians. Probably so, but still, it's just crazy to me. They went to a lot of lengths. I mean, they. this was like, a, I mean, this was a thing. Well, think about it, though. The guy <laughs> that, like, supposedly, like, put the curse into action, mm -hmm. once he's gone and the goat's dead and your team is still losing horribly, mm -hmm. you might start freaking out a little bit. <laughs> like, I mean. How do we, how do we lift this curse? I, I'd be like, who made, who met the demon at the crossroads? Who did it? Just speak well, up Well, that's now. the thing. Uh, that's the thing about curses is the more you believe in them, the more powerful they become. Allegedly. And to And if you, like, really believe that a curse is true, then all of this is very real to you. 
apparently enough to send a goat's head to a baseball team owner. So this one I feel like should be near and dear to your heart. The Superman curse. Yes. Very near. Very dear. Mm-hmm. This curse began because the original comic book creators of Superman cursed their own superhero. Because they got screwed. After they were denied the rights and money to the character. The guys, Siegel and Schuster, who invented Superman, got screwed out of the rights to the character. Superman's probably, I mean, like, there's not a bigger hero out there. Like, everybody knows who Superman is. Right. You don't have to follow comic books or anything. And these guys got ripped off and taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. I mean, that happens a lot in the comic book industry. Yeah. Uh, same thing happened to Stan Lee. May he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. <laughs> but uh, Always. Yeah, the Superman curse went a little bit farther. George Reeves committed suicide. Christopher Reeve became paralyzed after falling from his horse. Dana Reeve, his wife, and a non-smoker died of lung cancer at 44. Lee Quigley died in 1991 at the age of 14 due to solvent abuse. Margaret Kidder, Lois Lane, suffers from bipolar disorder Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster were abused by DC Comics, obviously. Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. Thank you. Seems to have broken this jinx. Seems to. Seems to. But he's still around, so... Who knows what'll happen between now and then. But whenever it comes to curses, Mm -hmm. if any category was going to rival sports curses, it's definitely the world of entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Superman curse is just the tip of the iceberg. Hollywood. Hollywood. A lot of people die. A lot of famous people die. Live fast, die young. Yeah. So usually their deaths are made. There's a big deal made out of these deaths, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of them, right? Well, whenever I heard the phrase live fast, die young, I didn't know there was a specific age attached to it. Exactly. <laughs> The 27 Club is a list consisting mostly of popular musicians, artists, or actors who died at age 27. You and I were talking about this list. Yeah. And there's a lot of people on this list. Mm-hmm. However, there's a shorter version of the list that consists of what I consider huge heavy hitters in the musical world. Yes. I mean, masters of their craft, pioneers, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. And so many. That and was really surprising to me. I there are so many on the list. You know, I the list is very very lengthy. And when I was reading through it, I probably half of the big names on there I didn't realize were only twenty seven when they died. I don't know why I thought they were so much older. Yeah. I didn't realize how young they were because twenty seven is just not very old. Uh, the first thing that stood out to me was the name Robert Johnson. Mm -hmm. Robert Johnson became famous for The Crossroads. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a rumor that this young musician had made a deal with the devil for his soul to be a famous blues artist, Robert Johnson. And that's what happened. He became famous and well-known for blues and sparked the whole folklore of selling your soul to the devil at The Crossroads. And died at the age of 27. Had to repay his debt to the devil. That alone doesn't... I mean, that's crazy mm-hmm. from the aspect of selling your soul for, you know, something. Right. Him being 27, not a big deal until you start following up with names like Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, mm-hmm. Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain. 
I mean, Brian Jones, he, mm-hmm. uh, one of the founders of the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. All of the names that I'm mentioning aren't like one-hit wonders or just, yeah. you know, these are people that people still idolize today for their music. Yes. Jimi Hendrix was... 27 years and 295 days 70 70 days away from me in 28 i mean i understand like a lot of the 27 club is tied to drugs and alcohol yes overdoses but still but it happens to be 27 seven now yeah a lot of them did have high-risk lifestyles but all of them at 27 yeah that's the part i mean it's like you know Oh, all of these people died in their 20s. No, they died at 27. I mean, if you just take <laughs> Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, and Jim Morrison, mm-hmm. that was an entire music generation. You know, this was <laughs> these names. Uh, there is even like another member of the 27 Club was one of the founding members of the Grateful Dead. And it goes on into acting, professional athletes, just like all these celebrities just meeting their demise at the age of 27 which if you're into numerology plus seven equals nine you know mm-hmm. I mean, say what you will there's just uh something kind of weird about it uh amy winehouse that one was surprising to me mm-hmm. personal story about amy winehouse whenever she first came on the scene i had read an article about her and her voice and how it was so different and they were making a huge deal out of this girl Mm -hmm. i had never heard any of her music i went and checked out one of her songs i don't even remember which one it was and i was like completely blown away like this girl is so removed from just what's popular in music Mm -hmm. like she's going to be like in the realms of Frank Sinatra and people mm-hmm. like that, you know? Yeah. This is somebody that people are going to talk about forever. Yeah. And then she's dead. And three years prior to her death, she had expressed a fear about dying at the age of 27. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, that was after um, Cobain's death because media attention had swelled and... Yeah, she had uh, she had expressed a fear of dying at that age. There are conspiracy theorists who suggest that Kurt Cobain intentionally timed his death so he could join the 27 Club like Morrison. Hmm. Yep, that's a thing. Whenever it comes to the music industry especially, there's a lot of conspiracy theories about Satanism, the mm-hmm. occult, uh, people being members of the Illuminati, selling their souls. And whenever you have the lore that surrounds Robert Johnson. And then you start looking at some of the names on this list and all of them dying at the age of 27. Mm -hmm. I mean, is there something to that? Are these people that sold their souls for some fame and fortune? And that's just how they happen to die. There's um, a list. They actually have an entire music section of bands who have dedicated, have written songs about the 27 club and, and dedicated songs to this. Halsey, she makes references to the club with her lyrics. I hope you make it to the day you're 28 years old. Fallout Boy, um, just a bunch of other, you know, bands. How many young musicians have pissed their pants their entire 27th year? No kidding. I mean, <laughs> well, this is counting uh, the days. You think this is just, you know, um, an urban legend or or something, you know, like that? 
But no, like these people are really scared of this. The Pretty Reckless, they made a song about the club and mention explicitly in the lyrics, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, and Jim Morrison. Taylor Momsen, she wrote the song after falling into a depressive state from the deaths of her producer, Cato, and Chris Cornell, because she had opened for his band the night before he died. In 2016, video game Hitman, one of the in-game missions, Club 27, involves killing an indie musician who is celebrating his 27th birthday. It's found its way into pop culture. Yeah. Club 27 is a thing that I never knew I needed to know about. And a club that you never want to have membership at. Mm -mm. Spinning off of that, there's a white lighter curse. It's kind of an urban legend or curse, you know, based on the 27 Club. Um, it claimed that several musicians and artists died while in possession of a white lighter. Uh, that's basically based on the deaths of Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, and Kurt Cobain. I can debunk that curse. I, can, I can't even tell you how many white Bics I've had in my life. Let me tell you something. It's not sponsored by Bic. All of the Bics that have stickers on them are white. That's true. And how many times have you been at a party... Peeled that sticker and off. Peeled that sticker <laughs> off. <laughs> not me. I mean, you maybe. No. I've seen other people do it. Not, while I'm not a sinner who. I'm just saying a lot of these people were drug bit. users and alcoholics yeah. and partiers. I mean, obviously they're young, twenty somethings. But they make black bics. They make neon colored bics. All of them owned a white one. Or but maybe also the murderer that killed all of them <gasps> put a white lighter on them. Theory. The hitman. You debunked it right there. That's right there. it. Also, it says that cannabis users, that's like a, a white bic is a thing for them, and that's why they were all, yeah, they. Never it, heard that. Dude, Wikipedia is always right. It is. Okay. The last one. I decided to do the most random one and save that for last. The My Way Curse. I had never heard of this one. You know Frank Sinatra's song. Familiar with it. My Way. Old Blue Eyes. Mm-hmm. The My Way curse is a social phenomenon in the Philippines, referring to a number of fatal disputes which arose due to the singing of the song My Way uh, by Frank Sinatra. In karaoke bars, more commonly known as videoki in the Philippines, the estimated number of killings was about six in 2010. Uh, between 2002 and 2012, numerous people were killed for singing the song. What? For singing the song. Explanations for these incidents differ from the song simply being frequently sung among the nation's karaoke bars where violence is common to perceived aggressive lyrics of the song. Huh? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's it's a whole thing. Is it, that like no stairway to heaven at the music store on the guitar? Like, I mean, this is a this is so drunk people at the karaoke bar yeah are really tired of hearing that song pretty much i mean um it ended up cases of singers being harassed assaulted or killed mid-performance were being reported all over east and southeast asia incidents of karaoke rage outside of asia were even documented i wonder how many times there's been like two drunk guys at a karaoke bar arguing with one another and getting all pissed off and then what like oh yeah watch this and like goes up writes his name on the list and gets up there and dedicates my way to that son of a bitch <laughs> at the bar oh my God. and starts a fight that way 
Uh, um, That's how I would do it. I just, I guess I just don't get why that song. There's so many people that said it was the song and it led to aggression. It was a very aggressive song. How is it an aggressive? I'm like. That was like the song he sang at the end of his set all the time. I'm it's like, like the good night. Uh, I'm drunk and going home now. I don't <laughs> like, understand. Like, I mean, have you never listened to, you know, any I'm gonna rap? I'm going to have to go or... listen to that song now. <laughs> Butch. Alborosan explains the lyrics evoke feelings of pride and arrogance in the singer as if you're somebody when you're really nobody it covers up your failures and that's why it leads to fights you're singing at a karaoke bar like you're a performer I know I mean that's kind of the same thing just to begin with basically and there's another author that said the killings connected to singing the song in karaoke may simply reflect its popularity in a violent environment he notes the song's triumphalist theme might have an aggravating effect on the singers and listeners alike. But other <laughs> tunes, just as popular in the Philippines, have not resulted in murder. That's that's why this just, is a curse. Because there that. are songs over there, mostly 80s pop hits, over there that are just as popular, but this one was killings, murders. But Katy Perry fireworks. Yeah, firework, whatever the song's called. You know the song I'm talking about. Pretty much says the same thing. I mean, it has the same tone to it. I'm just saying, like, say all this is true, and that's the reason why these killings occur. Is that something to really get pissed off about? I know. <laughs> like, just a person, like, being prideful and, like, I did it my way. Yeah. You know, forget the way they wanted me to do it. I did it my way, and I succeeded. How dare you? I know. The like, arrogance of you to get up I on mean, stage and sing about it. There's so many songs now by female artists that are like independent woman and confidence and all of that. and uh, Every song by Whitney Houston. <laughs> you know? That's true. <laughs> That's very true. So, I mean, I just, why this song? So, some Filipinos, even those who love the song will not sing it in public in order to avoid trouble or out of superstitious fear in 2007 the song was reportedly taken off the playlist of karaoke machines in many bars around the countries japanese rock band Kish kishiden released an um up-tempo cover of my way as their 10th anniversary single with a promotional music video featuring the lead singer and were entirely assassinated <laughs> they featured the lead singer being shot numerous times while <laughs> singing the song wow yeah i never had a, a clue about any of this <laughs> and it makes me like seriously like there's this guy that used to run a convenience store down the street that was mm -hmm. filipino and it really i wish him. he was still there because i would go ask him tomorrow like what's the deal I have quite a few Filipino friends, but I... Do you think they know about this? I mean... Why don't you, like, hit them up and just start, like, singing the song to them? Just seems and see a little, what happens. A little awkward. Like if they get mad. <laughs> like, in the Zoom meeting. Oh, my gosh. Hey, question. Hi. Yeah, this song, <laughs> does that mean anything to you? Do you like Frank Sinatra? 
there have been other killings over karaoke. Just <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to do a show on karaoke killings? I feel like, so in 2007, a karaoke singer in Seattle, Washington, was attacked by a woman who wanted him to stop singing Coldplay's Yellow. Curses to me. Curses! Curses! So it's not, it's that weird the weird things that go along with them. Mm-hmm. Like in this instance, it's not karaoke bars. That's kind of funny, haha. But it's this song. People are dying right. when this Specific. song is sung. I mean, the first thing you said was six deaths mm-hmm. in one year. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I thought you were going to say six deaths total. Yeah. And it's not just like, okay, this song makes people mad and they don't want you to sing it. Mm-hmm. People are dying over it. Yeah, this is, so Curses is six people died because of this song mm-hmm. and 27 Club. It, it's not that some famous people died. It's a whole list right. of people died at 27. It, like the Madden Curse. How many times does this have mm-hmm. to happen? Madden Curse. Little Bastard. acknowledge that something is going on here. Little Bastard. People were being hurt and killed. Yeah. That's what makes a curse so interesting and into a curse on planet fear on planet fear as always we thank you for listening stay safe and we'll catch you next time on planet fear